Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Last night, we got to see a legend get himself back in the win column. Manny Pacquiao picking up his 60th career win, a seventh-round knockout of Lucas Matisse, stopping him in the midst of the round. Matisse went to the, took a knee and decided he wanted no more of the Pac-Man. It was the third time he had touched the canvas on that fight. And Manny Pacquiao does something that he hasn't done in nearly a decade, and that is stop his opponent with a TKO or a KO. The last time he did it was against Miguel Cotto. It was really cool to see. Very nice moment for Manny Pacquiao, who went to this fight. You know, people were questioning whether or not he should be taking this fight. There was drama surrounding this fight on whether or not it was going to happen financially. You know, he, 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 he broke away from top rank. He was self-promoting this fight. It was in Malaysia. It was not selling well. And a lot of people were wondering, well, wh- what is this for? Is, is this going to be this sad ending where a vicious attacker in Lucas Matisse gobbles up Manny Pacquiao and we're going to see the sad ending we all expect happens to everybody? Or do we see a man who is amongst the elite who on a given night when everything lines up right can still be one of the best on the planet in the sweet science. And that's what we saw. Manny Pacquiao, class Lucas Matisse. He looked like he was a cut above him. And at 39 years old, to see him still be able to turn back the clock like that and still be that devastating and still be in there with a guy who many people don't like to be in the ring with. And Manny Pacquiao flipped the script on him and and made it seem like, no, 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 I'm going to be the bully tonight. And we haven't seen that Manny Pacquiao in a long, long time. I'm not talking... It's been before the Marquez fight. I'm not talking about Mayweather time. I'm talking it's been a long time since we've seen Manny Pacquiao be the bully in a fight. That is what made the man so great. That is what made him go to the top of the pound for pound list. That is what made him one of the best fighters on the planet. He made his opponents want to quit, not be in there with him. They didn't understand what they were in there with. The punches were coming at all angles. They were coming in bunches. They were coming at a high volume and would make you question why you would ever take a fight with the guy. And that's what we saw last night from Lucas Matisse. I'm not trying to sit here and say that Lucas Matisse is some world champion, some top contender, but, you know, I've seen a lot of yesterday on social media. This is the one thing that, uh, this is one of the things in boxing that can bother me with the pundits, and that is that as a fan of the sport, as somebody who covers the sport, I don't feel like we treat our, our legends well. I don't feel like the sport treats its all-time greats well. I feel like as soon as we see them show any type of humanity, any type of vulnerability, 
we don't let them go out there and, and try and find new ways to win. If you're not what you are in your prime, you're nothing. And you know, I was seeing this yesterday where it's been like, oh well, this is all too this is all too predictable. What's had happened with Manny? It's all too boxing. It's like, look, the guy still wants to go out there and he still wants to put on the show. If he still if he still has a drive for the sport, if he still has this desire to go out there and be great, why why are we going out there and, and acting like, you know, the guy's head is a ticking time bomb? You know how long ago the Marquez knockout was. I mean, for goodness sake, this happens in, in, in UFC. Guys are taking head kicks like that, and they're in there, you know, six months later. You, you know, you guys act like, oh, Manny Pacquiao has this grand vulnerability. He has this button on his chin that makes him go flatline. No, that hasn't been the case. And in all honesty, you know, 7-4 since the last time he had a knockout. Let's not act like two of those fights weren't against Jeff Horn and Tim Bradley, two just atrocious, atrocious decisions and the fight in against Mayweather, did he take any damage in that fight? I mean, wh- what? We all sat there, felt robbed because they had they had pretty much a a a, a, a an amateur fight where where nobody was getting touched. So it's not like Manny Pacquiao, though the record looks terrible or doesn't look impressive to you, it doesn't. It, it's not like the guy has been in these all time wars and is just getting bludgeoned every time out there. And the other thing that made me crazy yesterday watching this broadcast was this spin on what the Jeff Horn fight was going into this. You know, everybody looked at that and they're like, well, Jeff Horn just made him not look the same. He, he made him, he made a guy, he made, he made him look meek. He bullied him. It's like, you, you would have thought Manny Pacquiao was beaten into submission. L- let's not forget who the referee had to go to on the stool and says, hey, Jeff Horn, you're getting the snot kicked out of you. I'm going to stop this fight. But but honestly, the, the biggest opponent that has stopped Manny Pacquiao after all this time, and look, I, I, I don't I don't tend to I, – I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a huge Manny Pacquiao fan, and I do, and I do swing Homer's side for him when it comes to, you know – explaining what I think I've seen in his career. But, you know, he went through this this revolution personally where he became very religious, he became very kind, the temperament of him changed, you know, all the things that were coming out of him, you know, that he was gambling, womanizing, running all around all hours of the night while he was in the, the, the peak of his powers. And then you have a guy who, who's like this – He's like this wild horse, and then all of a sudden he gets tamed. And so instead of going into these fights and he's bludgeoning his opponents, you saw this level of Manny Pacquiao where he would get in there with guys and he would feel like once he proved his point, he would let up. When he got in there with Chris Algieri and he knocked him down six times, like, all right, the point is proven. What am I going to bludgeon this guy? I'm going to take years off his life? No. Became too nice, really. It, 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 it's like this guy came in there and he's he's so sweet, he's so kind. And once he proved his point, and so I look back at that Jeff Horn fight and I say more of the same. That guy got in there against that guy, and first of all, Jeff Horn he he landed like fifteen percent of his punches. I mean, you know, you guys got duped and tricked by a guy 
you know, bringing a guy up against the ropes and, and whiffing terribly the entire time. So aside from the numbers, though, Benny Pacquiao put that guy on the brink of losing, a guy half his size, and maybe Pacquiao let up. And last night he didn't let up. He was absolutely aggressive. He went for the jugular, and that was great. That's what was great to see because, look, you can, you can debunk Lucas Matisse and you can say, ah, oh, well, he's a C-minus fighter. He's, he's nowhere. He's a shot fighter. He's nowhere. Where, look, there's a lot of people that Lucas Matisse could whoop terribly in this sport. He is a dangerous, dangerous man when he gets into that ring. But he is not an all-timer, and that's what Manny Pacquiao is. He's an all-timer. Is he, is he what he was at 39 to what he was a decade ago? No. Why should he be? But that's you, you think you're cracking some egg there where it's like, oh, this is all too predictable. Manny Pacquiao pushing 40 is not what he was when he was in his prime. Duh. Of course he's not. Thank you. Well, I can't believe they pay you the big bucks for this analysis. Wow. Groundbreaking. Earth-shattering stuff there. But what should be impressive to you is at 39, he can still tell a man in a ring, go in there, beat him to the point of saying, nah, not going to be in here with this dude. Too much for me. That should be the story. Not debunking what Manny Pacquiao was going up there against. That he was that he was taking on some absolute bum, which he was not. Was he taking on the elite of the elite? No. But he was taking on a very, very dangerous man who decided this man's too dangerous for me. I don't want no more. And that's what should be impressive to you. And, you know, I, I equated it a lot to Dwayne Wade. You know, Dwayne Wade, for all you Heat fans down here, one of the things that I think drives a lot of Heat fans nuts is, you know, for years basically seems like since 2009 maybe 2011 is like the last year where people stopped doing this but I feel like even then they were people would throw the word vintage around all the time with Manny Pacquiao vintage 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 oh man that's vintage Wade it's like Wade had this incredible two-year run where he was the greatest basketball player on the planet and like we never saw it again and it's like I keep hearing this term be brought up with him he's vintage he's vintage he's vintage and it's like, nah, man, that guy's just an all-time great. Is he what he was when he was 26? Yeah, maybe not. But he never really stopped being te- – he never went to the zone of being terrible. And you and you, and you you go in there and you act like Dwayne Wade putting on an all-time performance or going and stealing the soul of your team should be some kind of surprise to you. And so with Manny, I go in there and I watch him and, and people are like, well – that was a vintage performance. It's like, no, it wasn't. That's 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 who he's been. You know, how are you feeling differently where the guy is, is 7-4 and four in his last 13? Two of those fights are stolen by him from incompetent judges. One of the biggest plagues of the sport. And you want to go out there because of those, of those scorecards and you want to bury a guy's career and say he's something... That's finished. That you're 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 almost ashamed to watch it. I don't want to watch this. Yeah, you do. And, and, and here's the other thing that drives me crazy about it. Everybody out here who acts like it's some crime to watch Manny Pacquiao go out and perform his sport and say that, oh well, I, I just don't want to see this anymore. Don't watch. But here's the other here's the thing that's funny about that. 
You're not watching the guys who are coming up in their prime either. You're not at the local shows. You're not out there watching these guys put in their blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, who is a guy right now in the sport who's a bankable pay-per-view star in their prime? Is it Terrence Crawford? Is it Lomachenko? They're not. That's why they're fighting on streaming services like Manny is now. But they're so-called in their prime. But you guys aren't supporting them the way you are, Pacquiao. And so I, I just find it weird that everybody's in this this place in the sport where they're like, I, I can't. I can't watch the old man fight. I don't want to see him get a 60th career win. It's like, you don't? Because I'd like to, I'd like to go out there. If I were to pull the ESPN Plus numbers, I guarantee you whatever he did last night dwarfs anything that Terrence Crawford or Lomachenko put forth. He's the big star. Don't act like you're not watching. Don't act like you you don't act like it's some great shame that he wants to go out there and box. It's not. He's amazing at it. Is he the top guy on the planet? No. He's 40, dummies. Why should he be? The guys who are 26 through 31, 32, 33, those should be the best fighters on the planet right now. That's science. But it doesn't mean that a guy who's 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44 can't go out there and give a hell of a performance. Hell, all you guys out here licking the boots of Anthony Joshua he almost got dump trucked by a 44-year-old in his home nation. The old guys can perform every now and then. They're all-time greats for a reason. And Manny showed you that yesterday. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Tobin here with you. Fighters Fury rolls on. A couple other Pacquiao notes before we move on. Uh, the question is, now, what does he do next? Um... A lot of people want to fight him, man. There's, like I said, like, like we said last segment, there's not a lot of people who are bankable, marketable guys in boxing right now who are a sure thing. And so you face Manny Pacquiao, you know you're going to get ratings or buys or however they want to do that. Uh, there was a little bit of a breakaway from top ranking. I mean, not completely because there was still an American broadcast on ESPN's top ranked platform. So even though he wasn't quite tied to Bob Arum here, you know, that relationship still runs deep. And so, does he end up fighting a Terrence Crawford? I know that's what they would. I know that's what Bob would probably like that 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 Terrence could have that on his resume, just like Jeff Horn did. Um, maybe the fight I'd really like to see. If I were to, if I had to choose, I mean, if I if I had to see Manny Pacquiao against one of the top guys pound for pound on the planet, if it had to be the Lomachenko for war to be Terrence Crawford, I'd rather. See him fight Lomachenko. Couple reasons. I do think that there's a better chance that Manny wins. I don't think there's a great chance that he beats Terrence Crawford right now. I think Terrence Crawford's the best fighter on the planet, and I think that's I think that's a bad matchup for Manny. I think that Terrence can negate a lot of stuff there, and it just seems like that would be overwhelming for him. Would it still be cool to see. It absolutely would be Lomachenko. The reason I want to see that fight is because Loma reminds me so much of what Manny was 
as far as when he first burst onto the scene, that when we watched Manny Pacquiao start rough-shotting people and just completely cleaning out the best guys on the planet, it was like we didn't even understand what we were watching. And I feel like we're starting to to get that with, with, with Lomachenko, that he, he, to me, is the new Pacquiao. He is the guy who comes from all, ankle, all angles and all ankles with the way he fights with his footwork. Um, him, to me, I, I just think that that matchup would be really cool, and I don't really know how that breaks down. It's so It's such an odd matchup for those two guys because of them always having the upper hand on people, that they're always a bunch of steps behind but ahead of everybody when it comes to footwork, when it comes to angles, when it comes to volume. And so I'd, I'd kind of like to see those two to clash. That that to me would be the cool matchup. But me into either one. But if I had to if I had to pick one, I'd rather it be Lomachenko versus Terrence Crawford. I also, you know, th- there are a couple obstacles because Manny has some tax issues, doesn't want to come to America because he owes a lot of money from the Mayweather fight. And they were saying on the broadcast today somewhere around $20 million. And to me, look, if you could do this fight like you did yesterday, uh, a a 9 p.m. start broadcast, and that's not an issue locally, whatever they are, you give Terrence Crawford or you give Lomachenko a plane ticket to Malaysia and you say, go enjoy yourself, or wherever they want to have it on this side, of the, on, on that side of the planet. You know, this idea that it has to be in Vegas or it has to be... No, 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 no. For right now... You're banking on those two guys being able to go and beat Manny Pacquiao on whatever corner of the planet he decides. If he decides that Vegas and getting stripped of all my money, not for me. Even though you're going to probably take a blow on the gate because of how much money you can get from MGM or Mandalay Bay or, or a fight of that magnitude would probably be a T-Mobile yeah, you're gonna take you're going to take a hit there. But if you were to supplant that with doing it at a huge arena somewhere do it in London, I don't know. So somewhere somewhere international where Manny Pacquiao is not gonna get bit by the tax man, you gotta tell those two guys to get on a plane and go. Like that's it. This can't be a a oh no 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 no, you know, I don't want to get screwed. No. Manny Pacquiao holds the cards in that regard, and both of those guys are looking to take that huge leap into superstardom. It's worth it for them to go wherever it is to go fight Manny Pacquiao. It's that it's that big of an opportunity for them. So if Pacquiao doesn't want to come over this side of the world anymore at 39 years old, I, I think he I think he's kind of earned his stripes there. And he knows, I'd imagine he knows that he holds those cards. And I would not hesitate for a moment if I'm top rank to send them across. Like, look, he was fighting in Malaysia, so it's not like he was fighting in the Philippines, even though that that was a very pro Pacquiao crowd. So let's not act like you can't tilt it with the with an even out of judges. Kenny Bayless was the ref last night, so it's not like there was some uh, huge nefarious referee that was angled. No, man, come on, come on, like don't. I don't want to hear that there's some hang-up of this fight happening because it has to be in Las Vegas. Half of Terrence Crawford fights are happening in Omaha, big star locally for himself. And Lomachenko, was he have some grand title Las Vegas? No. 
So just, I, I, if I were their promoter, I would tell them, you go. You, we got, this, is, this is the opportunity. We go. We make this happen. We make this happen because it's that important for you to fight this guy. If you really think he's vulnerable. Uh, the other thing that, that, before we move on to some UFC from last night, um, it was odd for a lot of people not to see Manny with Freddie Roach last night. Bubai Fernandez, though, he seemed, I don't know what it was. I don't want to give, I, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be in this position where you have to discredit Freddie to lift up Bubai. But the way he looked, the way Manny had that aggressiveness back, the way that Freddie would coach Manny to fight. You know, Boo Boy was right by Freddie's side for all those training camps. And they looked like, he looked like he was able to tweak Manny in a way to get the aggressive Pacquiao. And, and look, it's possible because Freddie has such a care for Manny, knows what he's meant to his career. It's possible that they did get into a style where he didn't want him to get hurt too badly, especially after the Marquez defeat. But Boo Boy could be in a different way. You know, they come from the same place. They know what an honor it is. That's the one thing with Manny. You know, you could just say the honor that it means for him to box and what it means for his people and what a political platform he has to be on. It's on a different level than other athletes. Because most athletes, especially boxers, you know, they have their little tight-knit group. They have to fight for their family and provide. But Manny truly does feel like he's carrying the weight of a nation on him. In a different way that I guess a Conor McGregor does because, you know, Conor doesn't have political interest that we know of right now in, in Ireland. You know, Manny Pacquiao is actually a senator. You know, however the hell he got the position, like it does genuinely mean a lot. Like he is praising politics, the president, the prime minister, all of that is very, very important in his post victory. It's almost like you want him to be more selfish and that it mean a lot to him, but he can't help himself. And anyway, but but getting back to the Freddie Roach thing, it was a bummer not to see Freddie there because those guys are the tandem in boxing all time. You know, you, you think of, you know, trainer-boxer relationships, and those guys go up with anybody. I think the only thing that really bums me out about it, though, is that they haven't spoken. And I know that the relationship hasn't been what it was. Um, it did bum me out to not hear that many reached out to Freddie, especially apparently after his mom died. That was kind of a bummer to hear. But it's not crazy to think that the relationship after 20 years ran its course. That's not that wild to think that Manny could maybe pick up some new tricks from a new voice, even though it's a, it's a familiar voice, but it's in a different setting. So I just think that was interesting to see. It was a bummer not to see Manny there with Freddie Roach. And it, it, I don't love hearing that Manny didn't reach out to him, but I thought the results bared out some, some pretty impressive uh, stuff last night. I thought they really, really did. So getting to UFC Boise last night, a couple of things to get to. Main event, Junior Dos Santos. He uh, he went out there, he beat Blagoy Ivanov by unanimous decision. All-time fighter from Bulgaria. Um, Not a great fight. Here's the one thing that, you, you know, I think the last couple of weeks have shown you. If a heavyweight fight in, in, in 
happens in mixed martial arts and it does and it goes past a round, it's probably not going to be that great an exciting fight to watch. Not always. There's exceptions. But a lot of the times when the big boys go long, it ain't that exciting. I almost think that there should be some kind of a stipulation. You know, I know that the UFC has this rule that main event's a five-round fight. If it's heavyweight, keep it three unless it's for the title. Please. Because this was so inevitable to watch as it was going on. Not an exciting bout. Junior Dos Santos gets the win. Good for him. Dealt with some USADA stuff this year. Got railroaded by them a little bit. Sucked for Junior Dos Santos. And it's good to see him get that win. Top 10 candidate. I'm not saying he should get a title shot next. um, Because I don't think he's close there. He just lost to the champ in pretty decisive fashion. So, you know, we'll see JDS back in there. But good win for him. I think the big big winners from yesterday in UFC Boise. You had Sage Northcutt, and Sage takes a lot of crap. He's super positive. Everything's tremendous, everybody. I love everybody. I love you. It's good. He's MMA Tim Tebow. Like If you want to know Sage Northcutt in a nutshell, that is him. He is the Tim Tebow of UFC. Super positive. Never say a bad thing about anybody. He's like, I just want to say, after my win yesterday, that... Words are powerful, and we should be careful how we say our words, and super tremendous, everybody. I love you. Great. Bye-bye. Like, All right. Cool. Sage, peace out. Uh, he fought Zach Otto yesterday, took a big crack in the first round, went down in the heat, and Sage is definitely on. He was teetering, you know. Te- he was on this level of he's 22 years old, so there's clearly a very, very bright future there. The guy's as athletic as hell. He's got body of a Greek god. He definitely has the look. UFC would want him to be a star. And he's got talent. But they really threw him into the shark tank immediately. So I think with the Sage North cut, getting this win yesterday, going through some adversity, seems like he's finally found a home at Team Alpha Male. You know, he was wandering. He was kind of going from here to here. Still in college. Wasn't, you know, kind of one foot in, one foot out testing the waters everywhere had a really close relationship with his dad and don't know where that stands right now but it was good that if he has finally been handed over to uriah uriah faber and team alpha male i think that'd be great for him a couple things one he's a tremendous striker he really is he's got he's got he's got electric stuff when it comes to his hands wrestling's been suspect you know when he gets taken down team alpha male what is their bread and butter wrestling that is where everything is built. That is where everything is crafted. That is where everything is made great. And so if if he's going to a camp that is going to make him that kind of dangerous in either avoiding takedowns or knowing what to do when he's on his back, I, I, I really think there is a bright future here for Sage Northcutt. I really do. And I know he's easy to hate on, super goofy, but he's also super young. He's, he's a young dude who came into this thing. I think 19 was his first fight. So think about that. He's already got eight UFC fights under his belt, six and two at 22 years old. Um, it was cool to see. I want to see Sage Northcutt do well. I think I think you need you need a guy like that, young, uh, marketable. I think that all the qualities there for why he would be a star are still there. Um, he just needed to find the right bag of tricks to get him going in the right direction. Uh, the other big fight yesterday, he had this really really sick knockout. Nico Price defeated Randy Brown. He had this knockout. 
he was on his back, and he hammer-fisted the hell out of Randy Brown until he knocked him unconscious. Don't see that a ton. It was a really cool knockout. I would venture to say knockout of the week. And the other big story yesterday was Chad Mendez. Chad Mendez got himself a win over Miles Jury, TKO victory, and really cool to see that from, from Money Mendez. He's been out of the sport. He's one of those guys, you know, with Chad Mendez, he took this hit from USADA, and there wasn't a lot of chirping or there wasn't a lot of excuse making. He did say it was for some type of like, it had some type of skin disorder, and that's what popped him, but didn't really fight it. You know, he said that it came from this substance that he rubbed on his his, his body for, for a skin disorder, but he didn't put up this big stink. He just kind of ate his two years. And Chad Mendez, who is a perennial featherweight contender, just gone. Just just kind of gone, and we didn't we haven't heard from him, didn't hear about a case. Just ate his suspension and came on back. You don't see that a lot in the USADA era. And so I think Chad will kind of go into this next chapter of his career unscathed by it, you know, provided that he does not pop again. Uh, just because, you know, he wasn't one of these guys who's like, ah, tainted supplement, ah, this, all that, ah, system is against me. Just, you know, ate a suspension, went away and came back and, and came back and kicked ass. And Chad Mendes is a bad, bad man, dude. He is a he is a really, really good fighter. This guy is a perennial featherweight contender. And you're talking about a dude who, you know, his 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 losses are to Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, and Frankie Edgar. I mean, the best. I mean that that is the featherweight Mount Rushmore right there, basically. Suppose you got to add another head on there. Whatever, you know what I'm saying. And. Those are his losses. And we also we note that the Conor McGregor fight happened on short notice. Had Conor in some bad spots in that fight. So this is a really, really good fighter. And the featherweight division could use it. And I think that's it's going to be no time at all. As, as long as he doesn't get popped for anything else, um, I think Chad Mendes will be right back there in there with, uh, with contendership. But it was awesome to see. One other odd thing that happened with UFC Boise yesterday, before we take a break, so they had this dude. He kind of, I guess he, it, I felt like it kicked off the prelims. Saeed Namagamadoff. He was fighting Justin Scoggins. And they come in there and they're like, yeah, yeah, he's the cousin of Khabib Namagamadoff, UFC lightweight champion. Everybody knows Khabib. Like he is, he's one of the well known guys right now, one of the studs of UFC. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's cousins. All right, all right, cool. I'll, I'll watch Saeed. You show me that this guy's the cousin. Of, it's a hook. It is a hook. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna lock into the first fight at UFC Boise. You gotta hook me. And they did it. They tricked me. They said he's the cousin of Khabib, but he's not the cousin of Khabib. He is a kind of friend cousin, which is weird to me. So like, is Nurmaga made off? Like, is that Russian Gracie? Like just like they're just finding Gracies all over the place, they'll they'll come out of the woodwork and they're just like, dude's a Gracie. All right, and so is that what we're gonna do now? Out of Russia is just like, oh yes, he is uh, he is cousin of Khabib. He is Nurmagomedov. He is untouchable. What? Because they came in and they're like, oh no, no no, he's the cousin, which makes me feel like okay, they're blood related. Uh, there's some relationship here. It's kind of just like, mm, 
not really. It's kind of like friend of the family, sort of, but they have the same last name. I don't know. Do 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 Russian last names work differently? I, I was very confused by it. Either way, Scoggin should have beat him. He got he got a hose in that one. Namaga Madoff, cousin or no cousin, he definitely got the friendly nod there, and he moves on with the win. Anyway, we're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury is back here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Tyson Fury has his next opponent. This is exciting. August 18th. He's taking on Francesco Pianetta. Yeah, that's right. Francisco Pianetta. Second fight back for the Gypsy King, who... Had a less than inspiring performance against Sefer Sefery. If we're going to be kind. Here's the other thing that, that blew me away with the Tyson Fury thing. Tyson Fury is a bit of a, he's a bit of an IG model expert. And if you don't know what I mean, these IG models got tricks for you. They're great with the filters. You know about those ass cheeks on the bath, on the, on the bathroom sink? Lifts them up. Makes them a little bit more plump than they are. And this Tyson Fury... I'm not saying he was wearing a girdle during training camp, but he was wearing a girdle during training camp because my man was looking super slim on the gram. Really, really slim. Like, he was looking good. Came out there for that Sefer Sefri fight. That's not the same guy I saw on Instagram. I feel like I was lied to on a Tinder date. Like, he put his best profile picture forward and wasn't the same guy that stepped foot into that, into that ring. Now, I'm not hating on him. I realize it's been a long time for Tyson Fury. I'm just saying, be careful what you're falling for when it comes to Tyson Fury's Instagram. He does a lot of close-ups when it comes to those videos. So, he fights this Sefer Sefri, who's not a real person. He is a fake dude who is an actor. They were hugging each other during the fight. It was weird. And I want to see Tyson Fury get back to prominence. I think that this heavyweight division could use it, especially... Since we've come to this this crossroads with Wilder and Anthony Joshua, where it seemed like we were getting very very close to getting this fight to happen, and boxing does boxing, promoters get in the way, um, politics get in the way of the fans getting the fight they want to see. So, what could help that? Getting more of a wrinkle. I, I feel like this heavyweight division, it, it's teetering. You know, I. I I get to these shows, and sometimes I feel like the heavyweight division is is, is at a real, real peak part of its powers. It's been at a really good spot between having Anthony Joshua and, and Deontay Wilder be where they are with Luis Ortiz putting on a great fight against Deontay Wilder, between Joseph Parker being as good as he's been. I love Jarrell Miller. I think he's a hell of a candidate. I think that a guy of his size who throws the amount of punches that he does. I feel like he is a tough day at the office for anybody. I don't feel like he could be bullied. Um, but I do feel like the return of Tyson Fury, the the unbeaten lineal champion who only had his belt stripped, I do feel like him getting back into the fold is a big, big deal. And I've been saying this for a long time. That he should get in there with Shannon Briggs. He should do that fight because a couple reasons. One, you're actually taking on a former world champion. I don't know who these dudes you are, who you're fighting. Except for Seferi and, and, and Francesco. It, 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 look, it's all great for 
Rosetta Stone, and, and we're going to all get our languages diversified. That's fantastic. It's great. It's very worldly of you, Tyson Fury. But I need somebody who can really be an antagonist for this guy, who can really push forth, who can really bring out Tyson Fury. You know, like, what made Tyson Fury so popular was not just the fact that he's a good fighter. He's not, he's not, like, he's not overwhelming. Like, let's not get crazy with Tyson Fury. Let's not forget his win over Vladimir Klitschko. One of the most boring heavyweight title fights you've ever seen in your life. Not exciting. And a lot of people left that fight more confused than they did praising Tyson Fury. They liked the fact that this character had the belt, but also it was this weird Vladimir Klitschko. Like, we didn't get the Vladimir Klitschko that we did against Anthony Joshua. And I don't know what to put to that. Do you put forth that Tyson Fury made that impossible on Vladimir Klitschko? Sure, I'm not going to take all the credit away from Tyson Fury. But also, the aggressiveness that Klitschko fought with in the Joshua fight, he did not have that in the Wilder fight. In the in the uh, Tyson Fury fight, excuse me. But Tyson Fury is just kind of sitting out here, and, and he's he's kind of cooking, and he's, he's taking on these dudes. I know he wants to get rounds under him, but these are just so ho-hum. Like, I can't get, I can't get excited for it. Like, I want to see Tyson Fury... I want to see all of Tyson Fury. I want to see him be brought to the forefront of boxing again. And I do think that a fight with Shannon Briggs would do that because Shannon is so tremendous at fight promotion. He's really such a great antagonist. He'll go, he'll literally fly across the world to chase you in your gym. He is a crazy person. And on top of that, I think would really, really present some challenges for Tyson Fury. One, that fluffy-ass body of his that he's lying to you all about on Instagram is a big, big target for the body snatcher that is Shannon Briggs. So I do think it's a compelling matchup in that regard as well. However, Tyson Fury also is 6'9", has a huge reach, and could present problems for Shannon, who, since he's had arm surgery, hasn't always had the greatest um, track record when it comes to his headshots. So I think Tyson Fury has a lot of problems for him. I, I just find it a very compelling matchup. And... It just feels like we're sitting here wasting time. And the other reason I feel like we're wasting time is I feel like Tyson Fury really could get himself back into the forefront of fans wanting to see him over some of the guys who are atop the division right now. And if he's just sitting here idly by while the other guys get a chance to make headlines, I just think it's a bad move with what they're matching him up with. I get it. You know, you want to bring him along slowly, and it's been a long time, but... You know, saw like and I know it's not sport to sport, but I just saw Chad Mendes take two years off and just just demolish a a, a very very dangerous dude in Miles Jury, demolished him. And I don't know if if Tyson really needs all of this cupcaking. One fight, fine, I'm cool with that. Two fights, you know, they're even talking about four fights to get him ready. It's like, man, how much time does he need to get ready? He was the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. He should be in shape. He's not lacking confidence. We know that. Um, and they're like, oh, well, we want to get rounds. It's like, man, I got to think you're getting better rounds in the gym than some of these dudes you're going in there against. Are you just getting used to the walk? Are you just getting used to the fight day routine? What is the point of all this? It's just strange to me. Getting into UFC, uh, a couple news and notes that happened 
this week. USADA has confirmed that Brock Lesnar has entered their drug testing pool and will be clear to fight in early 2019. I told you I was hugely disappointed in Dana White. He ruined it. Big dummy. He's, everybody was wondering, when is Brock Lesnar going to be eligible to fight? Dana White was like ready to pounce on everybody like, November, mother bleepers? And they're like, yeah, yeah, what about USADA? Damn. Oh, they came up with that one. I can't believe that. How did, how did they remember? It's like you guys are journalists or something. It's like you guys uh, you guys have to record the facts. I'm pissed at the journalist. Stop stop with your facts. You guys are ruining my fun, man. Well, Brock Lesnar is officially into the drug testing pool. Um, what is going to be interesting is Daniel Cormier. Because now that we know Brock Lesnar is not going to be fighting until January. You know, Seam and I talked about this a little bit last week. It's not crazy for Daniel to just sit idly by and wait it out. Wait out till January. Because what really could happen? Um <laughs> the only thing that the only thing Daniel would miss out on, and I guess this is a concern. The only thing that Daniel's gonna miss out on if he risks waiting till January is Brock Lesnar pops and now Daniel misses out on a huge payday, but also didn't get any other paydays as he set this hard date of March 2019 as his retirement. So he could miss out on that, but look, the guys who he could fight at 205, here's what's coming up. Next week, you got Shogun fighting against Anthony Lionheart-Smith. Good fight, but Shogun is probably a win away from being legitimate light heavyweight contender. Crazy, I know. The guy who lost his belt to John Jones years ago, when John Jones became the youngest champion of all time, has a chance to really be in title contention. That's a possibility. Gustafson is going to be fighting Vulcan Uzdemir. I imagine if Gustafson wins... He's definitely got to have a uh, a claim at the throne. This was interesting. This week, Yoel Romero posted on Instagram that he is interested in fighting Daniel Cormier for the light heavyweight championship. Now, who am I most interested in seeing out of those three? I think that Gustafson definitely has a claim because... He's a legit light heavyweight. The guy who took John Jones further than anybody else has as far as putting him in danger to lose. Long time ago, though. Fought Daniel Cormier in a very close fight, but Cormier did win. Did clearly win. But gave him a good fight. Doesn't draw flies. Not that anybody does right now. And we've kind of been there. We've done that. Shogun, I'd be interested in Shogun because I think that's a really cool story. You know, I know that Shogun's not the most exciting dude in the world. Christ, he's been around forever. But it is a cool story. Even acknowledging that, oh my God, I can't believe Shogun has a chance to be atop the UFC. That's not the greatest look at UFC. But then you realize, like, Daniel Cormier's 40 and he's a two-division champion. Like, Not exactly the sport of the youth. So, that'd be cool. 
And look, I'm I'm a huge I'm a homer for Yoel Romero. So if you if you were telling me we got a shot to get Yoel Romero in a title fight with Daniel Cormier, far be it for me to to poo poo on that. I'm gonna be in on seeing Yoel Romero fight DC all day. Is he as deserving as the other guys? Probably not. I mean, look, Yoel's gotten a lot of shots recently. Also, has missed weight, so not great when you're trying to state your case for title shot. He's world class, so anytime Yoel Romero is in a title fight discussion, I'm not going to be mad at it because I think the guy has a chance to win on any given night. He's that good. I don't know if he has the best claim to fight DC, but it's an intriguing one. Now, would DC want that fight? I don't think so, man. In fact, out of those three, and I think he even said this, I think DC said this on Helwani show this week. He said that he was interested, more interested in Shogun than he was at Gustafson because Gustafson wasn't a draw for him. That Those guys didn't do great numbers. And here's the other thing. They didn't do great numbers back then when it was UFC was a little bit more fruitful with the pay-per-view buys. They're saying that this uh, the, the that Cormier Stipe did four, around 400,000, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. It's not great, man. It's not great for, for for everything they put into that fight, for them calling it. They called it the super fight. This is the first legitimate super fight. That was on the title on the poster. And a super and, and legitimately a a, a, a a an all-time two guys who, who will probably be UFC Hall of Famers fighting each other, crossing over in divisions, fighting for the heavyweight title. Couldn't do half a mil on pay-per-view. And look, there's a weird thing going on with pay-per-view now as far as I don't you have to I, I think you have to be over the moon a star these days for the mainstream people to want to fork over $64 to watch you. You know, there's just so many choices out there. It's just especially for fight fans, you know. The one thing is the 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 fight inventory out there right now is so vast. I can't even keep up with it, man. We cover this. We 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 watch everything. Yesterday, you got UFC in Boise, ESPN Plus. There was an undercard on ESPN. You know, there there there's there's fights all around, streaming services galore. And I just think that people are gonna be in this this weird spot where they're just like, hey, you know. It's a cool fight, but it's not it's not world stopping. It's not gotta see it. Everyone's gonna be talking about it. What was everybody talking? Was everybody talking about Daniel Cormier did this amazing thing? No, they were kind of talking about Brock Lesnar. And and, and the standoff that didn't talk about the great accomplishment that, that Cormier put forth. So it's in a weird spot, but be cool to see Yoel. Not gonna lie. I will uh I'll always be into that. I'll always be into watching Yoel Romero fight. I don't know if he's got a better claim than Shogun if he wins next week or a better claim than Gustafson if he wins in a couple weeks at UFC 227. But it is intriguing. It's a nice, it's it's a cool new name to add in the mix, especially if he's not sticking around at middleweight. Um, and a dangerous matchup. So that's our show for this week. Everybody uh, will be back full, full ride tomorrow morning show. One and three with the boys, Leroy and Beast. So... Back from vacation, ready to roll. Everybody have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you at the same time 
Same place, Fighters Fury, Sundays at 10 a.m. right here on 790 The Ticket. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.